Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Daniel Hearn, who is a pianist, guitarist, songwriter, and music teacher from Atlanta, Georgia, and he's in his third year of training to become a teacher of the Alexander Technique. He was originally drawn to the technique as a way to relieve back pain and improve performance, and he has since broadened his interest to investigating how it relates to topics such as autonomy and mental health. And in fact, we're going to do a two-part uh, series on the Alexander Technique and its usefulness or helpfulness for people suffering mental health issues. The first one, and, the, and that's this one right that we're doing right now, is going to be a, a general overview of that connection. And the second one, we're going to go into more specific um, and more detailed um, information about that. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, it's, it's a pleasure talking to you. And before we get into uh, this, this topic, uh, could you give our listeners a, a short introduction or description of what the Alexander Technique is? I would say the Alexander Technique is a way of using your knowledge of physics and uh, human anatomy to improve the way your body functions. Mm -hmm. And by physics, are, are you referring to things like the forces that are operating on, on us on planet Earth, that kind of thing? Yes, uh, mainly gravity and support force. Support, yeah, and, and there are a few others, but those are two important ones. And um, I guess I guess a follow-up question uh, before we get into the, the, this, the topic. The, te the technique... Um, is generally best known for helping uh, performers um, be better at what they're doing or helping people in pain to deal with things like back pain. That was your way into the technique or neck pain, that sort of thing. It's not generally thought of as a having a sort of mental health connection. And I wonder what caused you to to make that connection and, and become interested in it. Well, um, my first lesson, I was originally um, suffering from back pain, mm -hmm. uh, but I was also uh, struggling with uh, anxiety and depression and some after effects of trauma. So. Uh, I've I've uh, had mental health issues myself, mm -hmm. and uh, the reason I wanted to train was essentially because my first few lessons uh, made me feel healthier than I at that point knew was possible. So beyond the alleviation of your back pain symptoms, that that was in some sense a separate phenomenon. Yes. Right. Right. And I've uh, I know from our from what we've uh, talked our, our email exchange earlier that you place a lot of attention or a lot of stress on the Alexander uh, 
we might call it the Alexander approach to breathing or respiratory re-education, as Alexander might have called it, uh, as kind of the key to that connection. Is that correct? Am I making my understanding you correctly on that? Yes. So maybe it would be useful to say a little bit about uh, what the Alexander Technique view of um, good breathing is. Well, this is a complicated question because, from my experience, the view is not uniform across the board. Right. So uh, I will give you what I've uh, learned and read uh, in the books. And um, this particular idea is that instead of when you inhale, your belly moving outward, uh, Mm -hmm. so your abdomen moving outward, uh, the lower abdomen stays retracted. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like the part of your abdomen below your belly button would not move when you're breathing, and mm-hmm. that would um, restrict partially the downward movement of the diaphragm. Mm-hmm. So, when you inhaled, uh, you would in fact get more um, movement of the ribs. Oh, okay. Uh, that that is that would say that's not a mainstream Alexander approach. No, no, it's <laughs> okay, not. Right? Okay. Uh, if if uh, it's it comes some from uh, MSI where he's talking about um, reducing a protruding abdomen and uh, right getting full expansion and contraction of the thoracic cage. Right. And MSI being Alexander's man's man supreme inheritance. Yeah, man Sorry. supreme inheritance. The uh, modest title of Alexander's uh, <laughs> first book, published in the early part of the uh, the nineteenth century, but I think um, I think more generally, um, most Alexander teachers would subscribe to the idea that the key to to good breathing is um, taking pl- enough time for the, on the exhale to get all the old stuff out before the new the fresh air is coming in and that that coming in part will just happen pretty much on its own because you've created a vacuum with that does that match your understanding yes it does and um and so improving breathing which certainly the alexander technique has a long history of doing and in fact Alexander when he first got to England was nicknamed the breathing man uh, because of his work in that area now what's the connection between improved breathing and improvement in mental health well I'm glad you said um, something about extending the exhalation or uh, getting a full exhalation Mm -hmm. so um, there's a scientist named Stephen Porges, and um, he, in fact, started to – he's one of the first people to quantify something called heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. And heart rate variability is something that happens with your breathing where when you exhale, your heart rate goes down. Oh, I and didn't know when that. You, yeah. yeah. 
Uh huh. Okay. And when you inhale, it comes back up again. Is that right? It, it comes. Yes, it comes back up again. Yes. Okay. And keep on, keep going with that and its connection to mental to mental health. Yes. So everyone, uh, most Alexander people, I and a lot of non-Alexander people as well are probably familiar with uh, fight, flight, and freeze. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, is you know psychological responses to things. So um, the lowering of heart rate that occurs with heart rate variability mm-hmm. actually uh, is caused by increased tone or activity of this nerve called the myelinated vagus. Um, I'm going to pause for a moment here. This this book that I picked up this information from is called the polyvagal theory. So there's more than one vagus, poly mini vaguses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the myelinated vagus is connected to a part of the nervous system that is involved in social engagement, like uh, the ability to calmly sit and talk to you and have a conversation as I'm doing right now. We're not shouting at each other. <laughs> right. Not yet. <laughs> you know, uh, we're not yet. We're not, we're not running out of the room screaming because right. we've got disagreements on ideas or anything like that. Or we're, um, or we're not freezing up and remaining silent either because yes, we're afraid to we, talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, this reduction in heart rate, because it is... Um, because it occurs due to increased influence from this nerve involved in social engagement, mm-hmm. it's it's been proposed that heart rate variability is a me- is a measure of the functioning of your social engagement system. Mm-hmm. So it's is generally would be thought of as a good thing to get the heart rate down, all other things being equal. Is that would that that a fair statement to make? Uh, yes, heart rate down, but um, it, it, there's a difference in heart rate and heart rate variability. So the polyvagal idea is there's another branch of the vagus. Uh, so we've got one that mammals have. There's one that reptiles have that lowers heart rate so much that car- that causes that freeze response you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. where uh, your heart rate drops and you're immobilized and you pass out. So you want your heart rate to go down but you also want it to come back up so it only goes down when you exhale and comes up when you inhale okay right so i think it's probably a fair thing to say that um, taking some alexander lessons is likely to improve the quality of your breathing uh, for all sorts of reasons and do, do you see that then as the main way it's helpful um, for improving mental health, or is there more to it than just that? There's uh, a little bit more to it than that. Okay. So we'll we'll start we'll start with the breathing and say that that's that's the main way. Okay. So, um, in fact, when you exhale, your heart rate goes down. So. Uh, people have come up with the idea that extending your exhalations is going to improve your heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. Many uh, psychotherapists know this. Uh, people in, involved in yoga. It's uh, becoming 
common knowledge. And so you have lots of people asking their clients to extend their exhalations. So you'll say, focus on the exhale, breathe in for this number of counts or breathe out for this number of counts. And it'll be more counts breathing out than in. And it'll be more, yes. Right. So uh, it's a it's a useful idea. And where Alexander comes in is that you may have one person who intends to extend their exhalation and another person who intends to extend their exhalation but isn't able to do it for as long. Right, or or as smoothly, perhaps, or easily. Yes. So, uh, if if I can introduce a couple new ideas here, sure. Like I'll say, potential lung capacity. So, you or I, as adults, would likely have a larger potential lung capacity than, say, a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, upon being asked to hiss or whisper an ah to go like for as long as we could, we'd likely be able to sustain it longer than a small child. Mm-hmm. But uh, two adults of the same size who are, uh, not to get jargony here, using themselves differently, as in their, their bodies are in a shape in which one has less uh, room for air than another, may have different abilities to actually extend the exhale. Right. And that those differences might might be related to some excess tension that restricts rib movement or even diaphragmic diaphragm movement, that sort of thing. Yes. And and those are exactly the kind of tensions that the Alexander technique can help with. Um by the way, I don't know whether you are aware of this, but w- one there is one very small scale study done at Columbia by a doctor there about lung capacity and the Alexander technique that showed that pe- Alexander t- people who had Alexander lessons had greater lung capacities. It was a very small scale. It was done a long time ago, but um, mm-hmm. that's you know of some interest uh, in this regard. So for sure, Alexander. The, if you if you take Alexander lessons, you're very likely to get rid of some excess tension that's getting in the way of efficient breathing. And whether or not you do the number thing to increase the time of the exhale, I think in general, you're going to get longer exhale times naturally with Alexander, probably to some extent, right? Uh, yes, so that that's the idea. Uh, you know, so Alexander says you can't, can't separate breathing from the torso. Like the movements involved in breathing, you can't separate them from the movements involved in maintaining your torso. So right, because most of because, the breathing's taking place in the torso. The diaphragm's connected to your. Uh, uh, spinal column there. I mean, its connections are pretty intense, right? The, yes. The rib cage is a good part of your torso. So, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, I, um, so the, okay, and is there, is there more to it than this in the more general sense? I know we're going to get into specifics in the next podcast, but 
is is there is there another step or two or have is this the big picture so far um i'll i'll add another step and okay. the other step is is kind of just an example of interfering with your breathing mm -hmm. so if uh, uh you know in alexander we sometimes do chair work if you were to move to pick something up off the ground and rather than move at your your joints like your knees and ankles and hips, you did something to distort your spine like um, you know you bend over you're actually compressing your lungs when you do that right right is, is so this happens to people all the time um, and then more generally, uh, it's not just breathing, it's uh, the polyvagal theory also talks a lot about neurological regulation of the muscles of your face, head, and neck, mm -hmm. and vocal production. Uh, so, you know, when I, when I read that in this book, a little ding went off as far as um, – a lot of AT teachers work with head and neck, and particularly the larynx. So Alexander's uh, issue that he was solving was a vocal problem. His larynx was malfunctioning or being depressed. And that the polyvagal theory, according to that, you would say that that is a malfunction of the social engagement system. So there's more than just the breathing, right, but right. Uh, I start with the breathing. Yeah, so um, going back to to Al the origin story of the technique, uh, Alexander is a reciter, Shakespearean reciter in Australia, uh, rat large and rowdy audiences, and no PA system. <laughs> and he wanted to get his voice to the back of the room, so he made some extra efforts to do that, as it turned out. It took him a while to to realize that he made some extra efforts that were non helpful, like as you say, depressing his larynx. He also found noticed that he started he gripped the floor with his feet or tried to various tension producing strategies that ended up causing him to lose his voice. I mean that that is kind of the Alexander origin story his his way of dealing with that so that's kind of what you're talking about it's maybe a bunch of different dis dysfunctional patterns coming into play all related one way or another to breathing would you say that yes yeah so um okay so that so so then just um to to for someone listening to this who either themselves has has some mental issues or has know someone who does could you maybe just say very briefly to kind of close our conversation what you would say to them if they asked you well how is this alexander technique going to help me with these issues or my friend with these issues I would say that, um, you know, AT teachers are not therapists. Right. Uh, so, you know, 
you you have um, therapy where someone looks at you and they say, well, how can we uh, improve your decision making? Your your you know decision making. Um, improve your ability to maintain relationships with other people and such things uh it's like saying well uh i don't know how to fix that but i do know that there is a way for me to improve my breathing right now and put my body into a state where it is you know making better use of support so that there's less excess tension so it's you know, there's always something you can work with, and mm-hmm. this is one of the things that you can work to improve. Or m- maybe just to rephrase that, and s- tell me if you agree with this. So a therapist might make certain suggestions to you to do this or do that. Um, and what the Alexander Technique can do is make it much easier for you to do this and do that more effectively and with greater ease. Yes. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. So it's it it's not a substitute for therapy for sure, but it could make therapy no. more effective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is it from your point of view? Is this a good place to bring our the this first conversation to an end? Uh, yes. Okay. I think because I think we've covered the basics and we're going. Part two coming up, or part two <laughs> uh, in a second podcast, we're going to go into a, a more, more um, into the weeds of this a bit more. Yes. Um, but my guest for part one has been uh, Daniel Hearn, who's uh, studying, uh, training to become an Alexander Technique teacher in uh, in Chicago. Right, that's where you're training, right? Uh... Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, you're training. I live in, in Atlanta, but it's a uh, non-residential. Oh, okay. Somehow I thought you were living in Chicago. Okay, so you're you live in Atlanta, and you are training. your uh, one more year to go, and you'll be an Alexander teacher. Yep. All right. So thank you for being on the show. Mm-hmm. And we'll thank t- you. We'll talk again shortly. <laughs>